Good morning. You know, I grew up in a military family, and uh, I'm keenly aware of the sacrifices that folks in the military make on our behalf, the long deployments away from family, the times when you are deployed with your family and you have to take them to places that you never would have dreamed you would live. The military life is a good life, but it's a hard life sometimes. And so for those of you in our congregation here physically, for those that are out uh, online watching, if you are a military veteran, please know of our love for you, our gratitude for what you do, and how none of us would be here today if it weren't for the sacrifices made on our behalf by the U.S. military. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sacrifice. We thank you for this brave sacrifice of these men and women who have served on behalf of our country to keep us safe. And Lord, as great as that sacrifice is, and it is, we thank you even more for the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ on our behalf that set us free from the bondage of sin. So, Father, we just lift our voices now in praise and thanksgiving for who you are and for all that you do on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Let's stand and sing.
start off the day. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. I'm so glad we can be worshiping together. Thanks for being here if you're in person and if you're joining us online. So glad you can be with us today as well. Don't have too many announcements for us today. Just you'll see them scrolling on the screen after the service, but be on the lookout for a helping hands clearance sale uh, December 5th in the gym. Um, they're clearing out all of their winter stuff, so that'll be a fun time to come together and do a little Christmas shopping. Um, we are doing communion today, so if you are here in the pews, you should have a communion cup, and it has a wafer, and we'll go through that together once it's time for communion, but this is our way to do communion, but stay safe and socially distance. If you're at home, um, go ahead and get something ready for your communion. It can be crackers or bread, water, juice, whatever you have, so that you can participate with us as well. Um, so that's all I have for you. Let's pray, and then we will continue worshiping. And God, thank you so much for this time together to come as a church and to worship you. And I just pray, God, that um, you are worshiped. And I'm so thankful for your grace um, that you give us the chance to experience your love um, and that it is free to us and that you love us enough to do that. So um, it's in your name that I pray. Amen. Deep 
so grateful for the hope that we have that one day we'll be able to stand before you clothed in your righteousness the righteousness you gave us and father I thank you that we could never be good enough to be right with with the father that Jesus came and did for us what we could never do for ourselves. So, Father, we thank you that you are God, that you are trustworthy, that you are on your throne. Please bless this time. Use it for your honor and your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
So I got to tell you, I'm upset. For 18 years, I've stood in front of you, and I've said the same things over and over and over again, but I can't get you to do it. I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried. I've invested in you. I've said the words, but you just won't follow me on this. Made you listen, didn't I? Now, see, that would be a weird way for the sermon to start, right? That's typically not something I would do. But what if I got up and I said, you know what, I love you guys. And, and I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed ministering with you for 18 years here in Murray Hill. But there's something we need to talk about. Same issue. There, there is no issue, by the way. I'm just making a point. So, same issue, but which one of those would you rather be a part of? Which conversation? The second one. Why? Uh, some of us might like the first one. I mean, if we're used to coaches or whatever. But most of us would say, no, I would rather have the interaction the second way. Because words matter. And how they're said matter. It's a big deal. And I think too many times this idea that words will never hurt me, we've we just fallen into this belief, but, but words really can hurt. And this past week, I'm going to guess that a lot of people have said or written or posted words that they've regretted. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. I mean, nobody in this room, I'm sure, but all those people out there. And I, and I got to tell you, what's really so disheartening about it is it's not just people who don't follow Christ. It's those who claim to wear his name, attacking each other. And, and so what I want to talk about today is, is this is a time in our history, as much as any we've ever had, that followers of Jesus need to represent King Jesus with our words and our actions. We need to bring light into the darkness and hope into the hopelessness like never before. The anger and the disputes and the arguing and the hatefulness that is going on, we need to bring light to it. And the words that we speak really matter. They matter in our households. They matter in our workplace. They matter online. The things that we say really do Matter. So we're going to get some help from the book of Ephesians, one of the prison letters. We had a series on the prison letters not too long ago. We didn't cover this passage. Uh, but remember, Paul was in prison and how, under house arrest, and we talked about how he was stuck and couldn't go anywhere and how that related to our story with the pandemic. And, uh, and so he was writing to the church at Ephesus. And the book of Ephesus, or the letter, really was about two things. It was one, to heal a conflict that they were having between the Jewish believers and the non-Jewish believers, but also to encourage them to live a Christ-following life. So it's in the middle of that second part, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 29. One of my least favorite passages because it's one of the hardest for me to do. Just going to tell you. Ephesians 4.29. So today I'm speaking to you as I speak to myself Ephesians 4.29. So if you're here in the, in the building or using the Pew Bible, it's on page 1176. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. 
Paul wrote this. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Really powerful, difficult passage to live by. But let me start by saying this. It is normal for a follower of Jesus to have Christ-honoring words come out of their mouths. It is normal for a follower of Jesus to have Christ-honoring words come out of their mouths. So let's look at verse 29, and, and notice what Paul says. He says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So our words need to be designed to lift up and encourage people. Sometimes we have to have hard conversations, like we started with, but our words need to be designed for what the other person needs to hear. And the word unwholesome there, it means rotten or spoiled. He says, don't use any rotten or spoiled words. Use words that the other people who hear you need to hear to build them up, to encourage them. It's interesting when, um, how difficult and how amazingly crushing our words can be. I remember when I was... Uh, a much younger person. I was coaching t-ball. It was before I had any kids, and I don't know why I was coaching t-ball before I had any kids, but somebody asked me to, and, and I did. And, uh, and so I don't know if t-ball, this has been a long time ago, but back then you had three positions that were important in t-ball. Pitcher, shortstop, and first base. That was it. You put your three best players there because in t-ball that's where all the balls go. Back to the pitcher, to the shortstop, or the first base. And the first baseman, oh, I'm getting confirmation that's still the way it is. All right, so the first baseman has to be able to catch the ball. So that's, that's a big, big deal, too. So we were, we were playing, and the shortstop was the coach's kid, and he missed the throw to first base. He overthrew the, he overthrew the base, and an extra person scored for the other team. And the coach, like a lot of parents do with their kids, just laid into him in front of everybody. And I, I mean, just chewed him out and told him how embarrassed he was and how ashamed he was. And, and come on, you're better than this. You, you know you can do better. And I was, I was in the dugout, and I was seeing this kid starting to cry. I was like, dang. So I had no authority to do this, but I called timeout. And I went out to the shortstop, and I got down on my knee, and I looked him square in the eye, and I said, listen, your dad loves you, but, but he's just really intense about this game. I want you to know you're awesome. And you don't miss many throws like that, and I know you're not, you're not going to miss any more today because you're really great. But even if you do, I'm still going to think you're great. So we high-fived, and it was like everything just dried up. And he was ready to play, and he played a great game from that point on. I'm not, I hate telling that story because it makes me sound much more wonderful than I am, right? But, but he, here's, what I, here's what I want you to see. When negative words come to us, we're like the little t-ball shortstop. It crushes us. It can be devastating to us. And Paul said, you know, the words that you speak, 
need to, you need to consider the people who are hearing and whether or not it's going to build them up. If it's going to tear them down, don't say it. Paul wrote in Colossians, he said this, Colossians 4, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you, you may know how to answer everyone. People are listening to us. And I need you to hear me say this. It's not just the words that come out of your mouth. It's the words that you write. It's the words that you post. It's the memes that you forward. Be careful what you put out there. Because right now, tearing down is a real big thing. And especially if those of us who are followers of Jesus are tearing each other down, why in the world would outsiders be any at all interested in who we are and what we do? The words need to uplift and encourage. I remember some time ago uh, when we were going through the process of making changes around here, and a lot of people were angry. Um, I called those, some, some guys that run the associational office for the for Baptist, and I said, listen, um, we're having a tough time here, and, and I need to know everybody who's further along in this process of changing than we are so that I can talk to them and get some advice. <laughs> and their response was, um, we don't have anybody. We're just seeing if you survive it. It's like, oh, okay, that was helpful. Um, so anyway, they came to see me to check on me. They were very nice about it, and they said, we just, how do you keep going? How do you keep going through all of this? And so I said, well, I'll show you. So I opened a drawer, and in this drawer are all the letters that I've got that I received that were negative, or as I like to call them, anonymous heat-seeking missiles on the back of offering envelopes. Okay? <laughs> so I, I took the stack, and it's really only about that big. And, and I put it in, I said, this, this is the pile of negative stuff. And I opened another drawer, and I pulled out a stack like this and set it next to it. And I said, all of these are the positive things that I hear. These are the emails and the notes and the cards. And I said, you know, it's, it's the bad ones that we focus on, but the truth is the good ones outnumber the bad ones by tons. See, the truth is we all need uplifting and encouraging words. And so th this week, whether you're here and you're angry how the election turned out or you're elated how the election turned out or you're indifferent how the election turned out, you're still a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is still your king. And the Holy Spirit still lives in your life. See, if you go on to verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What that means is don't sadden the Holy Spirit. Don't by your words make the Holy Spirit sad. Because the, the Spirit of Christ lives in us. When we become followers of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ lives in us and guides us and leads us. And when we speak out of what his leadership is by words that are demeaning and bringing people down, it saddens him. Because we're misrepresenting our king. So the words that we speak are vitally important. And it's normal for followers of Jesus to have a filter on what they say. A Holy Spirit filter. Well, Paul goes on in verse 31, and he says something that is, is very important. 
here are some things that you need to look out for. If these are a part of your journey, you need to be careful, and you need to stop, and you need to reconnect, right? So he says in 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, right? So these things are indicators that our connection with Christ is out of whack. These are abnormal for a follower of Jesus. It is not normal for us to have these things in our lives. And when we do, the Spirit of Christ is not guiding us. At the very least, we're not submitting to what the, what the Spirit is leading, how the Spirit is leading. So, I want to translate these words for you, give you a better understanding of what they mean, uh, because they're pretty interesting, especially this week. Get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is animosity. It's a bad taste in your mouth about something. It is, it is something that you hold on to that makes you uncomfortable and you don't like. All right, so, so that is bitterness, rage, pretty much self-explanatory, but it's in, internal fury that comes out. It's an anger that is so strong that you can't contain it. Anger means to hold on to something, to hold on to some anger that you have against someone, something that has hurt you so deeply that you just can't let go. And that's anger in this context. All right, then he says, uh, brawling, which is yelling at people. It's yelling. So yelling is not a representation of the Spirit of Christ. I thought that was interesting. So brawling, it means, it means to, to yell. To slander means to speak words that damage someone's reputation. Reputation. Intentionally to speak words that damage someone's reputation. To intentionally bring someone else down by the words that you say. To make them less by, by the words that, that come out of your mouth. All right, and then finally we have malice. And malice means to have wrong conduct in front of people. To intentionally try to hurt others. And so we, we have this list of all these things, and these things sound horrible, right? Nobody wants those in our lives. But the truth is, when those things show up, what we have to know and what we have to realize is that we have strayed in our relationship with Christ. We have gotten off track. Some time ago, I received an email from an extended family member. And the message of the email is, I would like to reconcile with you. Now, there's a lot of history there. Um, this individual has not been a part of my life for a long, long time. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this email shows up. And so there was this word of reconciliation. And, um, and I was really taken aback. Because I don't know how you are, but out of sight, out of mind. Right? So as long as that person is not in my life, they don't bother me. I just don't think about it. Then all of a sudden, they show back up. And it's like, whoa, where would that come from? So I responded and prayed a little bit. I responded and I said, well, I need you to tell me what reconciliation means to you. What does that look like? Uh, do you need me to apologize? Do you need to be forgiven? Do you want the relationship to be like it was before any of this happened? Just let me know. And the response came about a week later that no, I don't want anything, uh, apologies or whatever, I just want to be at peace and be able to move on. Well, knowing this person like I do, I knew what that really meant, and it really got under me, my craw. So I pushed reply, and I started typing, and I got done, and I read, and I was like, mm, 
That's me. That's not the Spirit of Christ in me. So I decided I wouldn't respond immediately. I walked away from it, and I began to pray. I said, Lord, it's very clear I still have a lot of anger towards this person. It's very clear that it's real, and, and I could write a novel about the frustration and the anger I have towards this person. I mean, I, I could just write page after page after page after page, and how ridiculous it all was. But that's me, not you. So please help me to know how to respond. So I took a couple days, and I prayed, and, and I ended up, my response was very simple. It said, move forward in peace, go with God. Blessings to you, Doug. That wasn't me. That wasn't what I wanted to say. That wasn't what I had on my mind. I wanted this person to hurt the same way they hurt me. But it was very clear through the Spirit of Christ. That's the direction it needed to go. Don't know what will come of it. I don't lose a lot of sleep over it. But I know I did what the Spirit led me to do. My guess is I'll never hear from this person again. That's my guess. But it doesn't really matter. Um, but but that's, the, that's the thing. So here, here's what I want you to hear me say. Is that all of this speaking the right word stuff is great. And getting rid of all of the anger and getting rid of all of the hurt and getting rid of all of that is, is an awesome thing. But you can't do it by yourself. You just can't. It's not possible. It's only through prayer, through surrender, through connecting to, to Jesus through the Spirit, to follow his leadership and his, only through his help can you get there. And the problem is we think, well, just some self-help things. If I just do A, B, and C, then it, no, you, you need the Spirit of Christ to lead you. It's the only way it's going to happen. You know, it's interesting. Jesus talked about forgiveness. Have you ever really read what Jesus said about forgiveness? At the end of the Lord's Prayer, he said, if you want to be forgiven you must first forgive. If you refuse to forgive, you won't be forgiven. Ouch. And I think part of the whole process of that is Jesus was reminding us, you can't get there without my help. If you're going to pull this off, if you're going to have godly words, if you're going to get rid of rage and anger and fury and all of those things, you need to trust in me to do it. Well, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. It takes time. It takes a lot of prayer. And it takes a lot of growth. But he can do it. I've been there. He can do it. So Jesus said something. And why this really matters, Jesus said something in Matthew 12. And I'm going to read it to you so I don't mess it up. He was talking to the religious leaders, and he said this, You brood of vipers, he called them snakes, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. 
A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Words are a big deal. Because Jesus said the words that we speak are a reflection of who we really are internally. It really matters. And so it's not normal for a follower of Jesus to speak words that tear down or to hold on to anger and fury and rage and to talk bad about people. He goes on, he finishes. This is the great news. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is what Paul says. Forgive each other. Let it go. Set it aside. The anger of man does not create the righteousness of God. Somebody really smart wrote that. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now here's what is so hard in this. That what Paul says is, is that you need to forgive to the extent that you were forgiven. Have you ever thought about how much you've been forgiven? You've been forgiven way more than you deserve to be forgiven. Just like I have. And God has this phenomenal ability, something that we as humans really struggle with. He has this phenomenal ability to act like whatever you did wrong never happened. Process that. How many times have you been hurt in your life and you're able to move on and act like it never happened? That's not easy. Because relationships change when we're hurt. But God has the capacity to act like whatever took place never happened. And what Paul says and what Jesus said multiple times, you need to forgive in the same way that you'll be forgiven. And our response is, but, but the person doesn't deserve it. No, they don't, but you need to forgive. But they hurt me so deeply. I know. But you didn't deserve it either. You've been forgiven way beyond what you deserve. It's a dark time. There's a lot of contention. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of despair and hopelessness. If ever there was a time that our world needed the followers of Jesus to speak the words that they're being led to speak by the Holy Spirit, it was now. It's now. May your words represent the king. May your words point people to the king. And may people walk away from you and say, wow, 
that person spilled love all over me. And it was good to interact with them. So today, this week, days to come, you're going to interact with a lot of people, whether it's online or whether it's in person, uh, over the phone, however you do that. Before you post it, please reread it. Before you forward it, please look at it and ask yourself, is this really going to build up? Before you say it, ask, is, is this going to build this person up or is it going to tear them down? And if you don't know, just be quiet. That really works well. Just be quiet. The words that we say matter. Do yours represent our king? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your grace is so incredibly powerful and wonderful that you can interact with us as if we've never failed. And Father, we live in a time in this journey where there's so much division and discord and it's so easy to be drawn into discussions, online chats, texting, interactions, emails, where all the words do is tear down. Father, I, I pray that we would bring hope and light into the darkness. I, I pray that we would consider every word. And that we would put the other person's need above our feelings. Lord, use us for your glory. We thank you today for Jesus for the sacrifice that he made. And it's in his precious and holy name I pray. Amen. So today we're going to share in communion. So I need to tell you some practical things before we get to the spiritual part of it. Uh, at your seats is something that looks like this. And we have them on the tables in the front and the back. If you prefer to do it the way we've been doing it before and like to go get it, that's fine. Or if you don't have enough, etc. And, and in this container is both a wafer and juice, okay? If you're not familiar, the very top strand is very thin. And what the white thing that you see, the little round thing, is the wafer. <laughs> so be very careful with that um, and let you know. And, and this is just a little, little coaching here for you, all right? Because it's, it's a little different, all right? So as we move into this, what I want to ask you to do is, is I want you to bow your head with me. And realizing that there are two elements involved. First is the, the, the wafer or the bread, which represents a body that was beaten beyond recognition. 
a body that was sacrificed for us. And the second element is, is the juice, which represents the blood that was shed. And Paul, when he wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 11, he was talking to the church at Corinth and, and was really getting on to them because they had been doing communion in a disrespectful way. And he told them, if you do that, you're guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus. And so today we want to do this with all respect for the king and what he did and the sacrifice he made. And we want to remember his incredible sacrifice for us. And so we want to give you a chance to spend some time in prayer. Maybe a time of confession. Maybe a time of being reconnected to Christ. And then when you're ready, partake. Remembering the bread that represents the body and the juice that represents the blood. And let's celebrate the greatest act of love in the history of the world. So in just a moment, that's what we're going to do as well. like to invite you to stand as we get ready to worship together.
Thank you, Murray. I'll have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. I can see the clouds.